1: and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Today we're continuing in our series entitled Lines of Operation. The purpose of this series is to explain the power of faith when brought to bear throughout our lives, and I will admit it can be hard to reconcile that power, the power of faith, when looking at the many challenges which confront us on a daily basis, and especially now when for people of faith things look so disgusting. And I'm sorry if that word is jarring to hear out loud, but if you're a person of faith, committed to the kingdom of God, the present state of affairs in this nation must look disgusting. The United States of America, the land of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, King, Kennedy, and Reagan has become a sexualized, polarized, politicized, and paralyzed culture. When I say sexualized, I'm sure you understand. And when I say polarized, I'm sure you get it. When I say politicized, that's probably easy to But what do I mean by paralyzed? What I mean paralyzed is that we, the people, admire problems rather than rolling up our sleeves to fix them. Christy just told me an alarming statistic. About 25 million Christians who are registered to vote did not vote in the last presidential election. So when I say rather than rolling up our sleeves to fix our problems... Sometimes we don't even acknowledge them. And then when we do acknowledge them as a society, we actually want other people to fix them. And worse yet, we want the people who made the problems to fix them as though that's going to happen. And that brings us to politics, which is the theme of today's show. But before we open that can of worms, let me remind you that courageous Christianity is about the intersection of our faith and the secular world. Scripture cautions us not to be conformed to the world. At the same time, we can't hide from the world. The good that we can do takes place at the intersection of our faith and the world. It's there that we shine the light of God's truth into the darkness, and if it weren't sordid and dark, it wouldn't be called politics. So, today's show is about politics, and people think politics is about governance, but it's really not. They think it's about legislature, but it's really not. Politics is about the distribution of power. It's as simple as that. And that's why when we talk about it in the context of irregular warfare, which is the violent struggle for influence and legitimacy over a group of people, it's totally appropriate. As the famous military theorist Carl von Clausewitz said, war war is a continuation of policy with a mixture of other means. And so today's show is about the intersection of our faith and politics as part of our series on lines of operation. And this series explains how we can use the principles of irregular warfare to apply meaningful pressure at every point throughout the days of our lives. I'm not trying to sound like a soap opera, but that is courageous Christianity. And so this series is about leaning forward in faith in every opportunity and without regard to the likes and dislikes of the struggling world. If you missed the first three episodes, you can find them as podcasts on your favorite podcast app or at kkht.com or courageouschristianity.today. So uh, I think I've said this a couple times before. I get a couple calls a week from friends who are saying, "Uh, how do we do this? How does this look? How can I still be a Christian? How do I not lose hope? And it comes down to politics and some of the things that we see which manifest themselves in our days. And we have to come to grips with that. And so as we talk about politics, uh, it is an important line of operation along which we can apply the shaping influence of our faith. And that's where things get really interesting. We had a guest scheduled for today. And through mutual agreement between the guest and myself, we decided that he would not join us to talk about politics. Although he is a highly placed and extremely knowledgeable individual, as we talked about the show, he refused to see the direction I wanted to go. And at the same time, I understand where he was coming from. Uh, An expression that we have in the Marine Corps is sausage making. Have you ever heard? uh... I've
2: heard you say it.
1: Sausage making is basically the idea that if you saw the way sausage was made, you would never eat it. (laughs) And it refers to things that are extremely gross in their making. And then sometimes we put uh, lipstick on them and they look a little better. But if you knew how gross they really were. And he sees all the sausage making that takes place in American politics. And although he's a Christian, as far as he is concerned, we've lost the fight against evil. And I reject that. Uh, Have many politicians allowed themselves to become pawns of special interest, which are owned by nonprofits, which funnel money to corporations, which absolutely own everything? Yes. We talked about that last week and about how nonprofit funds are often used in ways which would horrify their donors. We talked about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, about George Soros and others, and about how nonprofit money finds its way into corporations like Vanguard and BlackRock, and how that money owns every brand and product and politician in the country. And yes, we have allowed that. And I understand that from the sausage making perspective, it's horrifying. At the same time, we saw in recent politics that when Christians actually get involved, the political status quo can be subverted. So the issue is our involvement, and we can't sit around and wait for somebody else to do something because they won't. And so it comes down to you. What are you going to do tomorrow morning when you wake up? And if things feel hopeless, I would remind you that 2,000 years ago, 12 men turned against the unassailable power of the Roman Empire— the twisted politics of the day, and the religious status quo of the temple, led by God in the form of Jesus Christ, his son, they changed the world. The power of the Roman Empire now lies in ruins. The temple was destroyed shortly after Jesus was crucified. And today there are over 2.6 billion Christians in the world. So, you decide what you're going to do tomorrow when you wake up. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are we defeated today? No. Are we submissive today? Yes. Are we lazy today? Yes. Can that change? Yes. And can we change the world around us? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that today uh, in our show about our fourth line of operation, which is politics. As always, I'm joined by the lovely and talented Christy Stratton, my indispensable wingman.
2: Good morning. Hello. Or whenever you're listening. Hello,
1: everyone. That was a very long introduction, but it's necessary because I think this is going to be a tough show in some ways. And I hope uh, a uh, enabling, encouraging show in many ways. Either way, before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, the good that we can do in your name as your children, adopted by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, must be protected and expressed in our lives. Help us, O Lord, to do that. Help us to stand against the devil's evil schemes as we strive to shine your light into the darkness. Lord, good people are struggling. They need our help. And our help depends on us understanding and doing by faith. Help us to do that, Lord. You have said that we should not be frightened nor discouraged because you go with us everywhere we go. So, Father, help us to understand and to do your will in all things as we strive at the intersection of our faith in this very troubled world. By your grace and mercy, help us to focus forward to turn away from the mistakes of our past and the distractions of the present to march ahead courageously in the truth and power of your word, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, a lot going on. Lots. <laughs> and we've seen some things taking place at NASCAR rallies and at football games yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Uh, Probably more sausage making.
2: I would guess. Yeah.
1: Not that pretty. No. Um, friends, let's review really quickly. In Irregular Warfare, which is a struggle for influence and legitimacy over people, we use lines of operation to apply pressure. Because there's no geographical reference for ideas and influence, we... Uh, have to do that using themes and categories. So, for example, we do it using uh, money and politics and faith and family and understanding the justice system and participating across the board. Well, here's uh, the very important point about that. Christianity is the process. It's not an outcome. Our faith is in God, not ourselves or what we think the outcome should be. And we often confuse that. It's a massive distinction. Sometimes Christians don't want to participate in the secular world because we don't see how our efforts will achieve our desired outcome. But that's not how it works. As I talked with our intended guest last night, he alluded to Jeremiah. As we know, Jeremiah was a prophet during the reign of King Josiah around 626 B.C., and he proclaimed Israel's coming destruction. That nation had deviated from God's laws, it worshipped idols, and it broke its covenant with God. And Jeremiah warned Judah that they would suffer famine, foreign conquest, plunder, and captivity. Jeremiah condemned idolatry, the greed of the priests, and the many false prophets who existed at that time. And needless to say, the people did not like him. And the reason is because people don't like bad news. We want to do what we want to do, and then we want it to work out. And so for Christians, that's not how it works. Christianity is a process, and each day we devote ourselves to the process, and we have faith in the fact that God will take the outcomes where he wants So if God wants the United States to exist in 20 years, it will exist, and there's nothing anybody can do, because Scripture says the doors he opens cannot be closed, and the doors he closes cannot be opened. And we're going to dig into this further when we come back from the first break. Stay with us.
2: Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts 800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support.
1: Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mendelow. That's me. And we are in our Lines of Operations series talking about politics. And at the break, Christy said something interesting. Tell us about that.
2: So I was thinking about uh, this... um Brandon thing that you referenced earlier, what people are saying out there uh, at NASCAR. And um, my thinking is, you know, we can sit and yell about politics all the time. And if we don't take action, what good is the yelling that we're doing? And so uh, as I thought about that, I I went to a website that I often go to called myfaithvotes.org. And found some uh, really good information, and they're very aligned with what we do here at Courageous Christianity. And given what you talked about, uh, kind of Christians being quiet, it says here, so while secular progressives have actively sought to implement a counterfeit worldview at every level of government, Christians have remained quietly inside the walls of the church. So qu-
1: Christians are— kind of sad.
2: Yeah. Well, it's sad. Christians— are quiet inside the church, but then people who may claim to be Christians are outside yelling. Oh, wow, that's I- a point. You know, profanities, this Brandon thing. Right. Um, but where I would say is quit quit yelling, get out and act, put your action behind what you're saying, and so which is what have you're saying. Have faith in the process. Right, have faith in the process, act. Don't just sit back and yell and complain and, and that. And so then, going to action, this website also says, imagine a staggering 90 million Christians in America being activated to pray, think, and act on their faith. And when informed Christians vote, they bring the influence of their convictions and beliefs to the public square.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's a great point, because before we went to the break, we were talking about Jeremiah delivering very bad news to the people of Israel who had turned their backs on God And he basically said, trouble's coming, Uh, the hordes are coming from the north, God is going to use Babylon to punish you. And people didn't like that bad news, they actually tried to kill Jeremiah. And all of that happened during the reign of King Josiah, and King Josiah was an awesome guy, he tried to turn the kingdom around and did so successfully. What is identified is the fact that we don't like bad news. And we don't want to be told that we're not doing our jobs, but sometimes the truth hurts. So the point Christy's making is very valid. Right. Uh, imagine if we actually got out there and did it. So like uh, 20 years ago, 80% of the United States identified as Christian. And today, 70% identifies as Christian. And it's more than just jewelry, and it's more than just a tattoo. It's actually saying, what does my faith require of me, and what am I going to do? And so I get it we don't like the bad news, but we have to do this. We have to uh, have these difficult conversations, and we don't even want to do that. And I'm not going to sidestep my responsibility to have these difficult conversations with you. So I want to give you an example of how much we don't want to have these difficult conversations. If you look at the gun debate, God forbid a child gets a gun and commits a terrible crime, and our hearts break for those who are hurt. The news media sweeps in and tells us that it's about gun control. <laughs> so we have ridiculous conversations about gun control. Nobody stops to make the point that criminals don't obey the laws. In this instance, the child was a criminal. Why do we think that we can create laws to control criminal behavior? We can't. But we do so because it's easier than having a real conversation about that child. It's easier than saying that the less a man is governed from within, the more he must be governed from without. It's easier than saying that we have turned our backs on God as a nation and a society, that we are less governed from within, and so now we must be more governed from without, which doesn't work. It's easier than saying that child came from a broken home, or that there are absentee fathers, or there's an issue with internet bullying, or that the number of boys not being raised by men is, uh, results in a number of men acting like boys. So instead of all of those important conversations where we could actually say uh, this is uh, the issue, we have nonsensical debates about gun control. And even then, the debates are superficial. I read a story in the Houston Chronicle about U.S. Representative Dan Crenshaw's response to school shootings in which he said, in the wake of two mass shootings in 24 hours, I feel that it is my duty to foster a reasonable, candid conversation about how we combat mass shootings, but also to ensure we do not infringe on the rights of law-abiding citizens. So that sounds very reasonable, right? Let's have a real conversation. He added, the solutions aren't obvious, even if we pretend they are. People on the left criticized him for saying Americans should be able to defend themselves, and people on the right criticized him for mentioning red flags, which, as you know, are uh, the ability of the government to decide that you're at risk and to come in and take guns from you, which would be the first step to the government disarming people who disagree with them because these red flag things uh, require that somebody make that decision and who can be trusted to make that decision. So obviously it's a very serious uh, debate, but we don't want to have it. We don't want to have a real conversation where we solve real problems. And we don't like bad news, and we end up polarized, and that polarized place is very good for the people who want to manipulate us.
2: Yeah, I'm wondering why do we not want to fix it? I mean, it's it's like we're living in this blame game.
1: Well, the reason we don't want to fix it is because the problems that are created by uh, the political system, which benefits from the problems because they keep it in business. So if I fix the problem, well, now I no longer have that lever to pull any time I want to ensure my political longevity. Does yeah. that make sense?
2: Yeah, I can see that from, a, uh, I think you said politics, as a distribution of power.
1: It's about the distribution yeah, of power. Yeah, so they want
2: power. But for me, you know, like one of the listeners maybe out there, I don't want any more problems. So am I going to sit back and yell, you know, this profanity and not really accomplish anything? Or am I going to pull up the information, go visit my congressman, take action, vote, and Even if it's one voice, I believe that that can make a change. That can make a difference.
1: Yeah, so uh, the Democratic Republic requires that we are informed. It requires that we are active, and obviously we aren't. A lot of people are paid to stay home. True. There is a system in this country which takes advantage of people who have had bad luck, bad circumstances, to give them money for doing nothing so as to buy enduring political support. Yeah. And they purchase that person's hope, that person's opportunity to contribute because it's politically expedient. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking.
2: It is heartbreaking. Um, I guess you have to come to a point where you don't want to be heartbroken anymore and you want to do something about it.
1: Well, you know, you talk a lot about... um, when you're trying to solve a problem, you have to ask, what is the problem? Right. And you have to say, uh, what is real?
2: And we don't like real. <laughs> no.
1: And uh, it's very strange. And you'd, you'd be amazed. Uh, Christy and I will have some very far-reaching conversations where I will say, well, I think this and I'll think that. And she'll say, okay, let's stop. And let's say, what is Actually, real? What is really happening? And when you ask that question, you got to be careful because the news media is going to tell you this is real and uh, this is real and this is real. But it's not. If you take, for example, over the last couple years, we have had uh, all of this anti police sentiment. So, some terrible situations have arisen. And ended badly and sadly. And rather than having very serious conversations about the way people conduct themselves, what police officers are called on to deal with, we say we lump all police officers into this situation and we lump uh, all uh, potential citizens into this situation. Then we have some yelling, screaming match where you're either one or the other And then the fix is somehow we're going to defund police. (laughs) And the irony is the very people who say defund police are the first people who are going to be on the phone saying this bad thing has happened. Why didn't the police come? And there's no accountability for their perspectives and these decisions and the second and third order effects of these perspectives and these decisions. And because we're so polarized, it is a easily manipulated situation. But if you actually said in that situation, okay, what is real here? There was a person who was threatening police officers.
2: Right. Real.
1: And, uh, 911 was dialed. The police officers responded and they, uh, came to the scene. They had seconds to figure out what was going on. Everybody has their cell phones out. Everybody's hoping that they're going to do the wrong thing. And then the person doesn't comply and then uh, force is used and possibly excessive force and all of these things. And instead of having a real conversation, asking what is real, right? we say these stupid things which are demeaning to all of us and ungrateful to the police officers and first responders who put themselves there and uh, stereotyping of entire groups of people. And so the same people who say, how dare you stereotype me on the basis of this, that, or the next thing, are the people who stereotype police officers. And it's all just a bunch of disingenuous nonsense. It's, and, it's and all fake. It's all fake, and right. it's all a manipulation. And if you look at who's doing the manipulating, yeah. well, <laughs> that's when you find yourself back with all that nonprofit money funneling its way through corporations and political action committees And And we can
2: get caught up in all that bad stuff, but what we want to do is help people understand what they can do.
1: What you can do, what is the actual problem here? Before you can solve something, you say, what is the actual problem? Is it that we don't have discourse? Is it that uh, we are all racist? Is it that nobody cares? And then we examine the real truth. So, we're talking about something very serious politics and politicians and manipulations. And stay with us, we'll be back in the third
0: segment.
2: They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now, our veterans need your help. Hi, friends, I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life.
1: Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, you're back with Courageous Christianity, and we're talking about our lines of operation, which are the ways, the categories that we apply pressure to the world around us, and using the tenets of irregular warfare to influence, and we're talking about politics today, and an internet dictionary defined politics as the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. So as you heard me say earlier on, it's about power. We wish politics was about discourse, like when Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill graced Capitol Hill, but it isn't. The wolf is in the hen house. In fact, through nonprofits and corporations, the wolf actually owns the hen house. And the hens keep laying eggs because they're paid to do so, and we're surprised. So, we said in the last segment, if you want to fix anything, you got to define the problem, and then you have to say what is real. And so, that's the problem. And what is real? What's real is that Christianity is a process. It's not an outcome where we say, we want this guy to be elected. What we do is we go through the process of our faith, which, by the way, is a very active faith. I've said before, Christianity is the only religion with uh, that conducts offensive operations. We're, we're not supposed to sit in the church quietly and meekly. We're supposed to be emboldened in our faith to go out there and change the world around us. So what does the Bible say about that? It says two things that come to mind. First, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why is this important? It's important because real people in real struggle need real solutions to real problems, and if we pretend to care about them, we should be listening to each other. And because anger makes us easy to manipulate, we shouldn't get angry.
2: It makes sense, but the thing that catches my mind, or maybe my ear, is listening. Because truly, most people don't know how to listen. They're they're listening only so that they can respond with their own belief and their own opinion. And so nobody's listening out there. Everybody's screaming, and nobody's taking action.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And what you have to remember is when it says listen— we're talking about a biblical culture. So very little was written down, very few people were actually literate, and most everything was by word of mouth. And so when they say listen in this context, it actually means entirely taking in information. Well, in today's world, that is the TV, it's the internet, it's radio, it's conversation. Its and, you know, written word.
2: we spoke about you were talking about that um, kind of example of an accident and the police are there and people haul- have their phones out and they're trying to catch uh, somebody doing something wrong. Right. right. And then you you take that out of context and you smash that around on Facebook and everybody believes that's real. So one of the things we have to ask in that, is this actually a real story? My background is public relations. Public relations is about, can be about spin.
1: About manipulation. Right.
2: And I've said this many times, and uh, you may or may not have seen this movie, but it's called Wag the Dog. And I think if you go out there and you look at it and you watch it, you will see what exactly can happen in our world. I saw it years ago, and I opened my eyes. And so when I talk about myself, politics, and what's going on, it is a made-up TV movie about uh, what they want us to believe, Propaganda.
1: Yeah. And by the way, if you go back to the corporations and the nonprofit funding, if you want to see who owns the media, if you want to see who owns the message that you hear, Uh it's not a bunch of unbiased people. These are people who are trying to jam a narrative down your throat. And I saw this one example where they showed clips of every news anchor from every major station saying the exact same couple uh, words – On this one particular day, because that is what they were told to say. So these people are parrots. They're told what to say. And since the media lies, since the Internet uh, lies and adds to uh, those already told, since people here see and believe these lies, it's very important to move through this uh, step of asking what is real as we make uh, decisions and use our influence. And that requires integrity, and we have to have the integrity to contain anger as we hear other perspectives, as we can really uh, feel connected to one another. I said uh, on a show a long time ago, I said, how would it be if instead of making all these snap judgments about people, we said, where did you grow up? What was that like? And then imagine if you looked at that person and you actually listened and they told you and your heart could connect with theirs, because what we're going to talk about in a little while is that unity is everything.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of um, Dale Carnegie, step into curiosity and out of judgment. And when you step into curiosity with someone else, you learn about them. But I got to say this, and I'm just a little bit myself stirred up about this whole branded thing. And you've got people out at stadiums saying this particular phrase that now has gone, let's go, Brandon, and it means a different thing. And I'm not going to say it because it's a bad word. Christians, if those are Christians out in the audiences saying this thing, they are doing wrong. Not being out there and not acting according to their faith in what they're doing is not going to change a thing. We're as bad as the others.
1: (laughs) You wrestle with pigs, you both get muddy, and they like it. And somebody passing by just sees two pigs covered up in mud. They have no idea who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. And by the way, the way the Bible looks at this, it says, my name is blasphemed among pagans because of you, talking about people who claim to be in faith and yet conduct themselves in such a bad situation. And so that requires integrity. We have to have integrity. This is a democratic republic, and we have to be adjectives educated and we have to participate. And when we're not, we have to have the integrity to say, I'm not going to say anything. So the first question we have to ask is, are we properly engaged? As we look in the mirror as Americans and we say this is all messed up, if twenty five million of us didn't vote in the last presidential election, then we're not properly engaged. Right. And Christy loves the site My Faith Votes. There's so much important information there. And you're getting an unvarnished look. It's not manipulated. It is uh, the reality. So when we ask what is real, you can go to My Faith Votes and get a look into the political uh, arena. But what I have to say is that it's much easier to be angry and to send cynical memes to each other on Facebook than it is to actually take care with this fragile freedom that we have in a democratic republic. It requires more of us and the sacrifices which have been laid on the altar of that freedom require more of us. And so each of us must ask genuinely, am I doing my job? And what does doing your job look like? Well, communicate with your elected officials. Contact them. Email them. Make appointments to see them in their offices. Hold them accountable. Go with a few friends and, and talk about issues. And let's have discourse. If you want discourse, have discourse. If you want people to listen, listen. If you want to be heard in a respectful way, listen in a respectful way. These are the processes of our government, and it might seem naive, but that's how a democratic republic works, and that is also the process of citizenship and Christianity. So the second thing that comes to my mind about the guidance of the Bible, first I said, James, um, be quick to listen, quick to understand, and slow to speak. And the second is King Josiah, because They found a book of the law when they were remodeling the temple, and he was heartbroken that they found out as they read this book of the law that they had been violating the Word of God. And so uh, that show, if you want to go back to it, uh, was September 12, 2020, and it's available on CourageousChristianity.today, episode number 34. And King Josiah taught us that government will be changed when we, number one, turn to God, number two, study his commands. Number three, rid ourselves of evil and the causes of evil. Number four, protect what is good. And number five, rejoice in our faith. And it's no less true today. So George Washington said in his 1796 farewell address that the unity of government is the main pillar of our independence. And if we allow special interests to disrupt that unity, it's our fault. And some of you may think I'm naive and that such unity is beyond our reach. But I disagree, and here's why. Politics is downstream of culture. If we don't like American politics, we have to look in the mirror. We have to look at our culture. If you want to understand what's important to people, look where they spend their time and money. Where do you spend your time and money? What's important to you? If it's your nation, then follow King Josiah's guidance. Turn to God. Study his commands. Rid yourself of evil and the causes of evil. Protect what is good. Rejoice in your face. Don't spend your money on things that are evil and that are the causes of evil. Don't spend your time there. You spend your time with your family. And I'd like to make one other point. If George Washington, by the way, you got to read this farewell address, 1796, written 225 years ago, and the things that he said back then describe precisely our situation now. So, if he was worried about unity in 1796 <laughs> and how divisive influences would attempt to come between us and so weaken our nation.
2: He knew a little something, huh?
1: He knew a little something. And so, if you read that, if you want a homework assignment, if you want to say, okay, in my first step as an American citizen in changing the good that I can do in addition to reading your bible
2: i wrote it down here i'm going to do it
1: you do it i'm going to do you it you go girl i'm going to do it <laughs> okay george washington 1796 farewell address and you will realize we haven't been singled out for a special persecution these forces have always been at play they will always come against us and it's by the process of speaking the truth in love that we can achieve the unity on which the palladium of our freedom is based stay with us folks we'll be back shortly Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support.
0: Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. And we're having a
1: difficult conversation, I would say, about uh, politics, politics in America and where we are within politics as Christians. And in the last segment, we talked about the fact that the Bible says we should be quick to listen, quick to understand, and slow to speak. And there's also the story in Second Kings chapters 22 and 23 about how King Josiah turned his nation around. Uh, we've also said that you have to be careful as you define the problem. What are we actually speaking about here? And then, because there's so many people telling so many lies, we have to say, what is actually real? Can all these people actually be bad or was this one bad apple in a set of bad circumstances, as we referred to the debate about uh, the police? So what is required of you? What is required? What is going to change things? It's actually a twofold approach. Number one, you function as an American citizen who is voting, participating with intelligence, contacting your elected officials, having discourse not being part of the problem, not repeating things you've heard, which add to the disinformation. The second prong of this two-pronged attack is to behave as a Christian, because we said that politics is downstream of culture. So anybody who thinks you can't reach politics through culture has missed the boat. Why do you think we're in such a mess? Because our culture's in a mess. So if we bring our faith to bear on culture, that will help us to have uh, people participating in the political process who are serious, desirous of fixing problems, and the buffoonery will not be tolerated. We will not tolerate being distanced from our government by special interests and rabble rousers, uh, professional rabble rousers. And so freedom is fragile, and it requires tenacious protection in the little things and the big things. The process of Christianity will shape our culture, and our culture will shape our politics and our government. And so the process of Christianity, what does that look like? Well, it requires that we treat each other with kindness. Kindness requires that we speak the truth in love. Love creates unity, and God prizes that unity in his truth. He will bless it, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so that's why the devil attacks our unity as Christians and Americans so tenaciously through all these various schemes of men, through all of that sausage-making. Back to the original point, 70% of the United States is Christian. So if we allow disharmony to destroy the political pressure that we can apply collectively through faith, then we'll have no nation left to give us the individual things we think are so important. Let me say that again. If we allow disharmony to destroy the political pressure that we can apply collectively through faith because of these little differences that we think are so important, we'll have no nation left to give us the little things that we think are so important. You can't burn the house down because you don't like your bedroom. We either stand together or we fall apart. The survival of this nation depends on unity in the truth of God, his love, and his word. That is the politics which matters, and that is how the political line of operation works. In addition, the political line of operation gains power from the other lines of operation. So when paired with faith and values, the family line of operation, the economic line of operation, we develop decisive combat power as Christians to shape this nation and the world. And I've seen it. I've seen it take place in combat, and it truly does work. We have to invest our time in the things that we value as Christian Americans, our relationship with God, our family, our churches, and our community. We have to spend our money on the causes and interests which support national unity while denying those funds to the corporations, nonprofits, and special interests which attack national unity that is how the process of christianity is brought to bear on politics it's a lot right
2: it's a lot and the thing that is coming to me as i think about the listeners out there this can be overwhelming and so i would say don't don't let it be overwhelming it it is a lot but there are simple steps we can take and process. you've yeah you've outlined them And so first and foremost, what does Scripture say? Okay, you have a problem. You don't like something, but don't go again. I'm repeating it again. Don't go out and scream profanity. Don't play the blame game. Don't pass around Facebook memes. Go to the Bible. What does the Bible say to do? Act according to the Bible, according to God's
1: word. Yeah, participate. Get involved. Get involved in your church. It's easier than you think. And it's a process. You don't have to sort everything out on day one. What you do is you engage in the process. God has shaped this. He knows how it works. We just do it each day. And that really is the truth. And uh, as you know, in every show we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And our moment of truth today comes from... Psalm 42, verse 11, and I offer it to the guest we had planned to have on the show, whose courageous efforts on the battlefield of politics have left him wounded. And it says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Friends, Christianity is about the process of change. First, Jesus changes us, and then we change the world. Though our personal change is the very necessary beginning, Christianity is not about us as individuals. Our faith is about the good that we can do in the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is under attack by the forces of evil. In every area of our lives, beginning in faith, this is the time for Christian warriors. And so I would say the entire Bible is about this attack on God's kingdom. By faith in Christ, we're recruited to be warriors. First, he changes us by his Son. As we conduct ourselves in his ways and his truth, the world will notice us. We'll stand out. When others are yelling, we will be calm because we know that God is in charge. When others speak the failing perspectives of a failing world, we will speak the truth of abundant life in Christ. When others are anxious, we will have peace because he provides for us as a loving father. When others are angry, we will have joy because of the redemptive love of Jesus Christ and the amazing sense of purpose we have in his name. When others struggle, we will have compassion, and when others are divided, we will be unified. It's a process. And so we will stand out, and people in politics will have to address us because we're unified And we stand out. And we'll stand out, and people who are struggling will notice us. And they will ask us questions, and when they do, we'll have the opportunity to testify about what Jesus has done in our lives. And in this way, we shape the world directly through faith-based influence. Regular warfare is about influence and the legitimacy of authority. Using our faith and the values of our faith, we will apply persistent influence to shape people's understanding of Jesus' influence and his authority. So, as you can see, irregular warfare is not about killing or blowing up bridges or fighting in the streets. There is no geographical reference for this type of warfare because it is about ideas and understanding and perspective. And so we fight by applying influence across every opportunity of our lives, from the way we conduct ourselves and speak, to the arguments we walk away from, and the way we raise our children. The way we spend our money, the way we participate in politics, the way we pressure the educational system, and the way we allow information into our lives. And just as the enemy uses lines of operation to pressure Christians to conform to the patterns of the world, in all of its progressive failure, so we pressure the world where it intersects with our faith.
2: Yeah. Um, The word, you've used the word integrity a couple times, and I, I think if if you want to shine the light, then it's you acting by your faith, shining the light. Otherwise, you don't get the opportunity to scream and blame. If you're not going to act, don't scream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I love that Chinese proverb, which says, I've often regretted opening my mouth. I've never regretted keeping it closed. <laughs> I love that one, too. And so it's a difficult thing, because at the same time, as we're saying, Christians shouldn't be quiet behind the walls of the church. It's in that, how you do it. That we, right, that we have to be out in the world and that we have to be uh, in contact with the world, shaping the world and changing the world. What's important is the way we do it. So James said, faith without works is dead. And you've probably heard the saying, don't be so heavenly that you are of no earthly value. Both of these ideas speak to the fact that our faith must shape and change the world. And by the persistent influence of the truth of Jesus Christ throughout our lives, that will happen. And that's courageous Christianity. So as we talk about the political line of operation, and as we talk about the opportunity that we have, I know it's a lot, and I know it's hard, but we have a problem. That problem is that our political uh, engine is taking us in some directions that we don't want to go. And so that begs the question, what is real? Well, what is real is that we are engaged in a process as American citizens, and we are engaged in a process as Christians. And if we engage in those processes with integrity, with enthusiasm, to engage ourselves— then God will control the outcomes and they will be according to his plan. Friends, uh, it's a lot. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have on a daily basis as Americans. Thank you, God, that we are Christians and that we have this opportunity to uh, shine light into a struggling world. Amen to that. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word at KKHT.com or on CourageousChristianity.today or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semperify.